Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. That's where we are right now. We're going to go over a quick review from last week, and then we're going to talk about uh, Jesus as light, and uh, it's pretty cool. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time in our framework, kind of getting an idea of what's going on, and then we'll get into... um, get into the verses there. But our review from last week, we were talking about temptation. And we were talking about Jesus being tempted in the desert and what we can learn from that, how we can uh, get some stuff out of how he was tempted because he he made it. It, it, It worked for him. He was able to overcome temptation. And so what we looked at, we looked at three things, amazingly enough. Um, The first was to be led by the Spirit. Remember, it said that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. And a lot of times we find ourselves in temptation, and we're going, man, I'm really being tempted right now. And the Holy Spirit's completely somewhere different. We weren't actually led by the Spirit. We went off on our own. And then when the temptation comes, we're like, hey, Holy Spirit, I'm over here. Come over here. But if we're led by the Spirit, we have a much better chance of handling the temptation because He's there with us. The second thing we talked about was accurate application of the Word of God. Jesus, each time He was tempted, went to the Old Testament, because He was the New Testament at the time, and, uh, and he, he began to u- accurately use Scripture. And we, we talked about the, at least one of the Scripture passages He used and how it really applied to His situation. And that we have, a, we have a, um, a responsibility to know the word so that when we get into temptation, we, we know uh, verses that we can apply to that. And we talked about having a plan. And I, I, we had some Legos set up. And um, in these little bins here, I, 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 we put some Legos. And um, we, we talked about having barriers. And I'll just use these little ones here. And if, if your barrier for your sin is like right here, like, let's say you're, 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 you have a gambling problem, right? And so, I won't go to Vegas is your, is your uh, last one. Well, you've got to start setting barriers up way prior to that so that when you knock one over, it's not at the edge of the cliff. So, we talked about that. And we put these up here this week so that when we enter our slow time of worship, if the Lord shows you something during this sermon about, about light, God shining light on our lives... Or if you made a commitment last week um, that you're going to set a barrier a little farther back, when you come to the altar in our slow time of worship, just grab one of those as a reminder. You can put it in your car, put it in the fridge, wherever your boundaries are, you know, you want your boundaries to be, right? By your telephone or your television or whatever. Your computer might be a good one to hang a little Lego from there. Just as a reminder that we want to have a plan. Accurate application of the word, and then the last was radical commitment to holiness, that we get a, an idea that I want to be radical in my commitment to holiness. I, I want to begin to look at all the different areas of my life and go, okay, why, why am I tempted in this area? What, what, what's going on? And we talked a little bit about me coaching you, for, you know, under 14 girls soccer and how I go all crazy and I, I you know, scout out the kids on the other team and try and figure out my plan or whatever. And how much more... With temptation, should we try to figure out what is the enemy trying to do and how can I come up with a plan, a counterattack to uh, defend against my weaknesses? So that's what we talked about last week. And you know what? I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I did the podcast when I got home and that sermon weighed in at an hour. And so I want to publicly apologize for going that long uh, last week. I usually don't 
go that long. And uh, so I was, I, I felt bad. I felt, I honestly felt bad that I made you guys sit through uh, all that. So this, so we're done for this morning. That's it. I was going <laughs> to, I wanted to get you going. Oh, nice. Way to clap for that. That's fantastic. Makes me feel great. Yeah, he's done. Woo, yeah. Streamers and stuff. That's cool. All right, Matthew chapter 4. I want to know who clapped. Ushers, you find out who clapped. Get them out of here. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Yeah. It looks like a lot of scripture. It's really not. Just so you guys don't get intimidated, when I put scripture up and it's like that huge, it's really just a few verses. So don't get all scared like, he's reading the entire Bible this morning. It's really not that bad. It's really only uh, five verses. So here's where we are. We've come out of Jesus' temptation. Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. I want us to notice something that we wouldn't notice if we were just reading the book of Matthew. From verse 11, where he comes out of the desert and has defeated Satan's temptations, to verse 12 is a year's time. Okay, he didn't just come out of the desert and head off to Galilee. And the reason I want us to see this is because remember I was talking last week that if you go to the gym and you work out and you want to have a really cut body, don't look at what the out of shape people are doing. Look at what the really in shape people are doing and mimic them, right? So uh, this is why we want to know what happened during that year. How can we be more like Jesus? And through, through this book of Matthew, we're going to be focusing on Jesus for months at a, at a time here to try and figure out what, how did Jesus live his life and how, how can we do that the same. So I want us to go, go to this next slide here, a kind of a, some framework about what's going on. The book of Matthew says it this way. If you look here, it says um, Jesus is baptized. Jesus is tempted, okay, because we, we know about that. John goes to prison. Jesus goes to Galilee. Jesus calls his disciples. That's the chronological order in Matthew. So it seems like right after he was tempted, John goes to prison and Jesus goes to Galilee to call his disciples. But that's not what happens. I want us to see the book of John. Uh, Go to this next one. Here's what happens in the book of John. Jesus is baptized and Jesus calls his disciples for the first time. There's there's about five different callings of these disciples. And if if we don't understand them, we're going to look and go, wait, how is he calling the disciples now? I thought he did it earlier. The Bible's incorrect. It's not true. Jesus calls the disciples first. It's their first introduction to Jesus. Uh, he, he calls Andrew, Peter, John, Philip, and Nathaniel. Then <clears throat> they're all in that area of where the baptism was. He heads back up to Nazareth again. Okay? And he's in Nazareth again for a while. And he goes up to Cana for the wedding. And he turns the water into wine there. His first miracle. Then he comes back to Nazareth. We're going to see this in a map. You guys are like... <clears throat> Okay, it'll get interesting, trust me. Okay, so then he goes to the Passover in Jerusalem and he turns over the money uh, changers tables for the first time. He does that twice. He does that for the first time. 
Then he has, talks to Nicodemus and tells him he must be born again. Then he leaves again for Galilee, goes sees the woman at the well. Then he goes back to Nazareth and almost gets thrown off a cliff because they're all upset at him. But he goes ninja on him and just sneaks right through the whole crowd. They don't even know he's gone. And that was for the youth. Thank you very much. And then he goes back to Cana uh, and then into Galilee. So we're now caught up when he goes back to Cana and heals the official son and heads into uh, into uh, Capernaum, we're now caught up. That's about a year's worth of stuff. Now you say, why, why are you telling me this? Because again, I want us to see what Matthew's trying to do. Was that stuff important to Matthew? Yes, it was important to Matthew. But Matthew is a Jew writing to Jews about a Jewish Messiah. And he's trying to show Christ is the king. And so the first thing he does is um, uh, he shows John. Remember, John's the herald saying the king is coming. And remember what a herald does? They fix the roads and they tell the different towns that the king's coming. In those days, that's what a herald did. That's what John was doing. He was preparing the hearts of the people for Jesus. So that was the first thing. Then we see uh, Jesus' commissioning. That's his baptism. And then we see Jesus' victory over the, the king of that time, which was Satan, right? And so now we see Jesus' ministry. So his... his um, uh, he, how he starts his ministry and actually begins to rule and reign uh, in, in the very beginning. So that's what Matthew is most concerned about. And I wanted us to get that down so that we, don't, uh, we can kind of get a chronological order of Jesus' life while we're going through the book of Matthew. So we get into Matthew chapter 4, and uh, we're talking about there's a light shining in the darkness. Now, uh, we're still in our framework part, so you can go to the next one. All through the Bible, there's this thing of light and darkness. And it's very, very simple. Anytime you see it, it's very simple. Darkness is without God. Light is with God. That's about as, that's all, that's about as much theology as I can drum up on that. It's real simple. Light is with God. Darkness is without God. And here's a, here's a verse that really sums it up for us in 1 John 1.5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. What we're going to be talking about this morning is living in the light. Living in the light. And trying to understand, how can my life be a reflection of the light that Christ is shining uh, on me and through me? If, if, if darkness, if any time in my life there's a blind, we call it a blind spot. When you're blind, all you see is darkness. If there's a blind spot, how can we get the light of Jesus on that area of our life? How do we make sure that the light of Jesus just is shining on our life and says, there's a deficiency, there's a problem there. There's some darkness. We don't like to do that. We're going to be talking about uh, that this morning. Remember when Jesus was talking about hell, he was saying they were thrown into outer what? Darkness. Hell is eternity without God. It's darkness. And yet with God, it's light. And we see that through uh, how heaven is described. Proverbs 4.18 says this. This is the kind of life we want to lead. Listen to this. This is awesome. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn. Shining ever brighter to the full light of day. 
But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Light and darkness. See that? I mean, if you look at a verse like this, you're like, man, I want to be in the light. I don't want to stumble. I want to be like that first gleam of dawn that just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Uh, Romans 1 talks about how we're without excuse. We, we can obviously see that uh, there is a God by what's been made. We can see his eternal attributes and his nature so that we're without excuse. But what happens? The scripture says our foolish heart gets darkened. We, we miss it. And then we know Satan, it says he himself masquerades as an angel of light. Satan, as we, we're going to see this morning as we talk about light, his job is to come up with artificial light. Light that looks like it's showing something in your life, but it's really not. And it's a lie. In fact, it's darkness. One of the uh, greatest examples of this, uh, just kind of summing up this idea of light and darkness, is when Paul goes before King Agrippa. And uh, the king is asking him, so tell me about your story. And he talks about how he was blinded on the way to Damascus. He was going to go persecute the... um, I I just flipped through all those... uh, maps, didn't I? I didn't really show you the maps, did I? Okay, great, no problem. Let's move on. It was very, very compelling and interesting, by the way. It just showed Jesus going all over the place for a year. It was awesome. Sorry you missed it. Okay, Paul, before King Agrippa. So he's talking about what Jesus said to him when he was blinded. And here's what Jesus said to Paul. This was Paul's mission in life. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, place, uh, and, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That is the meaning of life <laughs> in a nutshell. To go from darkness to light. That's it. And we have that ability in Christ Jesus. So let's go ahead and, uh, and look at that. Jesus the man. This is our first thing that we want to see through these sections of scriptures in, in uh, Matthew chapter 4. The king of light. Psalm 139.12 says that even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are alike to you. When Jesus defeated temptation, one of the things Matthew was trying to show was that even even with um, the restrictions of being human, Jesus was able to conquer Satan. Now, Jesus ultimately conquered Satan and death when he died on the cross and was raised up again. But Matthew is establishing his kingship that even as a human, he was able to conquer uh, sin, conquer Satan uh, through these temptations. He was establishing Jesus the man as the king of light. And so when we go to this Matthew... Oh, good. Stay right there. When we go to Matthew uh, chapter 4, verse 15, we talked about this land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. Now, what is he talking about? Well, he's, making, he's paraphrasing from an Old Testament section of Scripture that is absolutely phenomenal. It's fascinating how this section of Scripture applies to Jesus' life. Remember, Matthew's trying to show him, look in the Old Testament. It points right to Jesus. He's the king of light. So let's take a look 
Again, this looks like a lot of scripture. It's really not. And besides, you guys are mature. You can handle it. Isaiah 8, 22. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. In Isaiah's time, this land of Naphtali and Zebulun was totally jacked up. That's a spiritual term. I don't expect you to know it, but... I happen to know those things. It was totally jacked up. There was a king there that had set up an idol, huge idol. It had feet uh, of metal, and they'd heat it up, and they'd put babies on those feet to sacrifice babies to this God. It was totally messed up. And so when Isaiah's talking about this section of Scripture, he's talking, they understand this is total darkness that they're in. Now, how did this happen? Well, these, this town, again, I, I don't mean to bore anybody, but this Zebulun and Naphtali, if you go to the book of Joshua, verse 8, when they took over the land, they were supposed to wipe out all the Canaanites. They were supposed to totally obliter them, bl- obliterate them, obliterate them. <laughs> these two sections, Zebulun and Naphtali, they didn't get rid of all the Canaanites. They let a lot of them live. And so that section of Israel from the very beginning, had this Gentile influence. They, they never did what they were supposed to do. And so they paid the price for it. And so we get into here and it says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. He's starting to prophesy about what's going to happen to that section uh, of Israel. In the past, he humbled the land of Nebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Keep it on that slide, please. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. Remember when Jesus said, he looked up and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus totally understood he was the king of light. This is it. Now, three verses after this comes an unbelievable section of Scripture that we all know, that we attribute to Jesus. And it goes like this. Let's go to this next one. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's in that same section of scripture. Matthew is saying, listen, Zebulun and Naphtali, there's someone coming. It's the Messiah. And Jews, every Jew knew that was a prophetic scripture. That's why Matthew used it. Okay, now it's, it's very important for us to understand this because as we look into the Old Testament and we see how it so directly is fulfilled by the New Testament, it gives us confidence in the word of God that we have and confidence that Jesus, in fact, was the Messiah. Now you say, well, why didn't Matthew use that section of script? Like, why didn't he just keep going like Pastor John did? Well, Matthew's a better teacher than Pastor John, okay? He knew that those Jews knew this section of Scripture. They knew exactly where he was. So when he says that Jesus fulfilled this section of Scripture, in their minds, they go on and go, oh, yeah, that's the Messiah. 
He was, for unto us a child is born. That's right. He searched the scriptures and it's Bethlehem. And he's from the line of David. All these prophecies are filling out. And that's what Matthew's doing here. It's very important. Now, I want to point out one other thing that is so awesome. It was really cool. This whole thing about by way of the sea. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Yeah, oh, it's, hard, it's hard to see this. But uh, Matthew's talking about, and Isaiah talks about this by way of the sea. This, if you look at Damascus over in the upper right-hand corner there, I used to have a, that little pointer, but do, you, do we have that there? Cool, thanks. I love this thing. Yeah, you just have to press the laser button that's right here. Got it, thanks. Okay. Okay, that's Damascus right there. This is how you know if a, by the way, this is how you know if a speaker's nervous. This is why some speakers don't do that. If they're going like this, that means they're totally nervous with what they're doing. Watch this. Let's see if I'm nervous. A little bit. I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah? That's, that's Damascus right there. There's a road. It goes like this. Right through. It takes a little left-hand turn here. That's Capernaum there. This is the Sea of Galilee. This is exactly where the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali are. This road goes all the way down like this. And then it goes down into Africa. That road is called the Way of the Sea. It was a very famous road when Jesus uh, was alive. So, so for people reading this, Jews reading this, lights are beginning to go on for them. Because they go, man, the Way of the Sea, that's that road. Man, that's Capernaum. That's, he, he's talking about Capernaum. That's the road that goes right through Capernaum. If you want to go to the next slide, it just shows kind of where that is today. This is Jordan here. That's Syria. Uh, Israel, and then this is uh, Egypt right there. So anyway, just a little thing. You can go amaze your friends. Um, but uh, so we're in this thing. So what I want us to see is that from the beginning, from the very, very beginning, Jesus was this king of light. And John, the book of John, talks a lot about Jesus being a light. If we look at John 1.1, 1, 1, we all know this section of Scripture. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. By the way, that's not the Bible okay, Word. It's Jesus' Word. Okay? He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made. Uh, uh, without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. From the very beginning, Jesus was this king of light. That's what Matthew's trying to show. It's all about Jesus. When we want light in our lives, Jesus. If we're feeling we're in a period of darkness, Jesus. If things aren't working out for us, Jesus. From the very beginning, he's the king of light. And notice it says, but the darkness has not understood it. Is that not today? I mean, it sounds so crazy that you, got, that you have this life, you're le- leading this life, things aren't going well, you feel empty, and it's Jesus? That just sounds so religious to me. But it's true. Jesus declared himself the king of light. If we look in John chapter 8, this is so awesome, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
Jesus himself declares, I'm it, guys. This is it. Now, I want us to see something really cool about where Jesus was when he said this. If you go down to verse 20, uh, what, what happens between verse 12 and, and, and 20 is this awesome discourse between him and the Pharisees. It's almost like a husband and wife talking. Like, have you ever, you know, husbands and wives where the well, husband's talking about one thing here and the wife is talking about something there and it's like, right? And the husband's like saying something and the wife is like, I don't know what you're saying. And he's like, stop crying, okay? And it's just like going like this, Okay. <laughs> So they're, they're going back and forth, and the Pharisees just aren't getting it. It's an awesome section of Scripture. We don't have time for it now. But in verse 20, it says, He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Now, why would Matthew put that in there? For you and I, it's like, okay, so he was in the temple where they put the offerings. What does that matter? To the Jew, that paints a pretty awesome picture. What he's talking about is an area in the temple. One time we talked about the temple and I showed you um, where the court of women was. That's where they had all the nagging. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, I couldn't help it. Uh, the court of women was the court where, where most people were allowed. It was the, the, the place that, that you didn't have to be someone special. Okay? Back in those days, women weren't as special as they are now. Now they're very special. Okay? So there, hopefully I backed out of the nagging thing and I go, go to the thing. But Jesus is in this court, the, they call it the court of women. That's where the treasury was. Now at the time he's speaking, it's at the end of the, of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now hang on with me because this is awesome. And what they used to do in the court of women during the Feast of Tabernacles, it was a thing called illuminating the temple. And there were candelabras everywhere. And every night for a week, they'd light all those candles and the, the, the temple would become a blaze. And it was to commemorate God as a pillar of fire leading them through the desert. That's why they did that. Now, Jesus is there at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, get this picture, because Matthew wanted his readers to understand this. And because none of us are Jewish that I know of, we probably wouldn't catch it. Okay? Here he is. He's standing in the court where, where everyone's accepted to go. And all around him is this remnant of a light. But they're all out. The candelabras are still there, but they're not lit. The feast is over. And those candles were to represent God's very presence with Israel, leading them through a dark time of their history, a time through the desert. God went before them on a pillar of fire. And Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. I'm now your pillar of fire. I'm now what you're going to look to in order to get direction. What you're going to look to to find meaning. How you're going to have your needs met. It's me now. And so here he is in this place that accepts women, accepts everybody. And the, the lights are all out. The old way isn't working anymore. And he says, it's me now, guys. I'm the king of light. I'm what's going to guide you. I'm what's going to provide purpose for you. Yeah, I used to have this flashlight that my mom gave me. And uh, it, you shake it, and it has a little LED light in it. And when you shake it and shake it, and something happens in there. I wish Kai were here. He could explain it to me. But something electrical happens. <laughs> and uh, then you turn it on, and it's a real bright light. 
And so I, she gave me this thing, and you're supposed to shake it for two minutes, and then when you're done, you, tur- you, know, you turn it on, and there it goes. And so I'm like stoked, going, they should make, everyone should have one of these. All you do is shake it, and the light turns on. Well, after about, oh, 20 seconds, <laughs> so I shook it for two minutes, and after 20 seconds, the light starts to go out. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it for five minutes now. I'm going to show this light. So I'm shaking as hard as I can, letting it charge up, and it went for like 45 seconds to a minute. That's the picture of living a life without Christ. We, yeah, there's some light there. It, it always seems like, well, okay, great. I, okay, I got to figure, oh, I got the rays, good. Everything's, everything's working out, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try harder. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for 10 minutes now. And we work and we work and we work and we work to try to provide some light in our lives. And all the time it's Jesus going, you don't need to work so hard. I am the light. You don't need to light those candles anymore. You don't need a pillar of fire. It's me now. Jesus, the man, was the king of light. Then we look at Jesus' uh, mission uh, or his ministry. That's the kingdom of light. The king of light has a kingdom of light. So again, we get to, uh, you guys are like, dude, that is a lot of scripture. Don't sweat it. Watch this. There's always going to be a struggle for the kingdom. Until Christ comes and he reigns and he's in total control, in our lives, whether we're a believer or an unbeliever, there's always going to be this constant struggle of light and darkness for us. Even though in Christ we're, we're, we're free from our sin and we, 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 we're totally um, uh, sanctified in Christ and we're, we're holy, great. But still, we all know there's this, uh, this struggle. I wanted to read this little part here. Jesus is, is imploring them at this point, saying, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. And then down in verse uh, 37, I want us to see, even after Jesus had done all these miracles in their presence, they still would not believe him. There was still that tension of darkness that's going, no, it can't be that. It can't be like that. Those miracles, that doesn't make any sense to me. And I want us to understand that because I can talk about light and stuff, but I want us to... We still have to be on our guard for that tension of darkness. And then it goes on in verse 42. Yet at the same time, uh, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But listen to this. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. That's a great description of walking in darkness. Wanting to just get praise from men instead of praise from God. Or get strokes from a co-worker or to get this insi- you know from a boyfriend or girlfriend and oh and it's like I, I finally got my boyfriend and you're shaking it up and oh it's so wonderful and then he turns out to be a burned out bulb right because we try to go for that praise of of men that's the that's the struggle remember when jesus was praying he said pray this way our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let us remain in this light. And then he talks about how to do that. Don't store up treasures in, uh, on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. And then he gets to, uh, this is Matthew, he gets to verse 33, this scripture we all know. 
but seek first his kingdom. This is how we defeat the struggle of darkness. It's not to just go, oh, I'm just not going to sin anymore. Yeah, have a plan. We talked about that last week. But it's to seek first the kingdom of God. Go after Jesus. How can I have the light shining in my life more and more? See, life in God, this is an unbelievable point. It took me all week to get to this point. Go to this next slide here. Uh, Next one, sorry. Yeah, life in God's kingdom is awesome. You like that? That was, that is amazing there. I, I don't know how I came up with something so brilliant. But it is. It is. Sometimes we focus too much on the darkness of like, oh man, I don't want, instead of going, you know, forget that. Let's do it. How long have we been believers? Let's get committed. Let's change. Let's, let's live the life we were supposed to live in the light, in the kingdom. What's holding us back from sharing our faith and just talking to people? What's holding us back? We need to live in the light. Listen to this. I want to show you how awesome it is. Imagine if this described your life. This is life in the light, life in the kingdom. It's in Colossians 1, verse 10. And Paul's praying, we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. I mean, that is an unbelievable description of an unbelievable life, is it not? That's the kingdom of light. When we are focusing on those things, look what it says uh, uh, now going on to verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What an awesome kingdom. What an awesome purpose in life. Everything else is just shaking the light and going, oh, I hope it lasts a little longer this time, but not in Christ. The third thing I want us to see is Jesus and his mission. His mission was the children of light. Jesus is the king of light, and he has this kingdom, and then we become his children, very, the very children that reflect his light. And this is his mission. God wishes that none perish, but that all come to a saving knowledge of him. Everybody within the sound of my voice, God's passion for you is that you have a relationship with him so that you can put up with anything, so that there's nothing that can, that can get you down. Because you understand we went from darkness to light. What in the world can get to us? We're children of light now. We shouldn't, there should be no fear. It amazes me how fearful I get sometimes. Oh, what if this happens? You watch the news. Oh, what if this happens? I was once blind. Now I can see. So we have to be these children of light. So let's look at just a few things very quickly. uh, What these children of light look like. Well, first of all, they worship like children of light. I love 1 Peter 2.9. It's one of my favorite uh, verses. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, See this kingdom that he's, he's describing here? A people belonging to God. <laughs> now listen, why? I've used this verse so many times, it's unbelievable. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
You see, being part of the kingdom of light means you understand, oh man, do you know how my life could be right now? But it's, it's different. I, I'm free. I mean, how do we hold that in? We're free. We worship like children of light. We declare the praises of him. That's what we do when we sing. But that's not the only thing. We talked about worship for three weeks or four weeks. That's not the only thing we do for worship is sing. We declare it. Our very lives are a declaration that we were once in darkness and now we're in light. We worship like children of light. The second thing is we live like children of light. Ephesians. Remember when we went through the book of Ephesians? You guys will remember this verse, this section of verses, Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. Again, doesn't that look like a lot of scripture? Oh, it's awesome. Look at this. For you were once darkness. Now listen to what he says there. Not you were once in darkness. You were once darkness. You, you, don't even have, you didn't even have a chance of having any light. But now you are light in the Lord. Listen, women, we're having the women's, uh, what do you call that? Retreat. That's it. Women's retreat is coming up in October. I would encourage you as, as much as it's possible to make it to that. Your guys are going to be going in depth into this idea of being a light in all different areas of your life, in depth. It's going to be very encouraging and very awesome. The speaker happens to be my sister, uh, so I, I, I didn't have anything to do with that. Just so you know, there's no nepotism going on here, all right? But my sister can rock it. I mean, she's just like right out of the park. So I'd encourage you to go to that because this is what they're going to be going over. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Now listen, here's one of the sections of scripture I want us to get a good idea of. This thing right here, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That doesn't mean as Christians it's our job to go every place. Now it might, maybe the Lord's giving you this particular mission, but I'm just saying as a broad scope. We need to go point out all the evil that's going on in everybody's life around us. It's talking about us, okay? Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. In other words, shine a light on them so you say, I'm going to avoid that. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything, everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is the light that makes everything visible. I, uh, when we went on vacation, I was, we were at my sister-in-law's house. And so we had our own like little bathroom. And so I was shaving, and the big mirror was all fogged up. And so I, I kept trying to get it fogged up so that I wouldn't, you know, actually shave my nose off or whatever. And there was this little mirror, this like circular mirror on the, on the countertop. And it had a light on it. I thought, well, this is cool. It wasn't fogged up. So I turned the light on. I was shaving, and it was like, con- it didn't work right. It was like concave. It like made my face look like this small. So... I'm going, what's going on? I had this little rotating thing. So I flipped it over, and my head became, the razor blade was like that big. And I'm going, ah! Right? It looked like I was shaving my whole head off. And you could see every bizarre little mole and freckle. It was just like, like there's my freckle. I'm going, ah! Get it away! Right? Turn the light off. 
It was scary. Right? Because what happened? The light and this magnifier exposed everything on me. All my weird, freakish (laughs) things, right? Everything weird about me. It just shined light. And I didn't like it, so I flipped it over. I'll go with the ones that's all fogged up. Right? That's my temptation sometimes when the Lord goes on my life. Instead of using that light and using the magnification of, dude, this is a, a problem. It may look small to you, but you're looking in the wrong mirror. Look in this one. It's an issue for me. And it says here, everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And so when the Lord begins to show you something in your life, the temptation is to go, no, no, no. And to go towards the darkness. That's our flesh. That's our natural We feel better in the darkness. Our flesh does. It's very hard to keep that light on there going, yep, better stop eating chocolate because I gave myself a pimple, you know, whatever it is that gives you pimples. (laughs) The Lord wants to show those areas in your life. Why? So we can be free. Not condemned, but we can be free. And we can live a life of freedom in Him. Live a life that we are designed to for the king of light and the kingdom of light. You know Matthew 5, 14. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father that's in heaven. Let your light shine. Don't put anything in the darkness. Get it out in the light. You got a problem with something? Get it out in the light. The enemy has no foothold when it's out there. When it's hidden, he can whisper in your ear, you know, you've never been good at that. Get it out in the light. That's where the Lord wants it. That's why we were saved. See, I think a lot of times we don't understand how sick in our sin we really were. And so whatever little thing we're dealing with we think is disgusting. And it's like, dude, you were so much more disgusting than that before Christ came. And then thirdly, love like children of light. Um, You know, we're not, go ahead to this next section of scripture here. Yeah. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. The sections of Scripture, we didn't have enough room on here, and I didn't want to freak you guys out with even more Scripture. But the sections before here go, you've heard it said, you know, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't, you know, all that stuff. And then Paul says, and whatever other commandment you might have heard. I I love when Paul does that kind of stuff. He's like listing them and like, I don't want to list all of them. Just, you know them. Just all those other things. They can be summed up in one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then it goes on to right here. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. See, again, part of the problem with one of those lights is that we end up focusing. I see, I see teenage girls doing this all the time. You're like this far away from the mirror, focusing on every little thing, and no one's even looking at you that close. And they better not be looking at you that close. That's <laughs> all I have to say. Right? Sometimes we need to put the mirror away and just start focusing on other people. And you'll begin to see as we focus on other people and as, our, as we love others and our, 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 our mission in life is like, you know what? All the other stuff just starts kind of taking care of itself. Remember? Seek first the kingdom. And it says, The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And then in verse 14, Rather clothe yourselves 
with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, uh, sinful nature. Now, that's weird. He's talking about sin, but he's talking about loving people because the two go hand in hand. Sin, all sin is, is focusing on ourselves. That's what it is. I want to gratify him. I want this. I'm going to have it. I'm going to take it. Okay? That's all it is. Don't worry about the baby. It doesn't bother me at all. So, so that's all it is. It's just, uh, uh, we, we're just focusing on ourselves. Well, focusing on others begins to help us get rid of that sin. We're kind of like the moon. I don't know if you've ever heard this analogy before. I just started thinking about it this week, and then I looked it up, and a lot of people have thought about this, which happens to me quite often. I usually don't have an original thought. But the moon has no light source. The moon is just a floating rock. And the reason it lights up is because the sun is reflecting on it. And it gives the world light during the night. And so when we get this idea of clothing ourselves in Christ Jesus, it's like taking our life and standing before God and letting his light hit us and accepting it. Have you ever seen the moon? Have you ever seen how many craters are on the moon? It's a nasty looking thing. I think I have a picture of the moon. I do have a picture of the moon. You can't really see it. Down here, there's a big, it looks like a balloon. It looks like that's where you tie it off, or a cantaloupe. That's what it looks like, a little cantaloupe. Um, Anyway, so they they have uh, these craters all over. It's not a good-looking thing. But when the light's shining on it, it's beautiful. We look at it and go, wow, why? Because of the sun. That's how we're to be. Now, what happens when, the, when you can't see the moon? What's happened? The world has gotten in the way. The sun's over here. The earth is here. Again, I wish Kai were here because he'd have a better term for whatever. But the sun is shining. The moon's over here. When the world gets in the way, the moon becomes dark. It's the same thing in our lives. We have to make sure the world gets out of the way so that we are a full moon before the, before the world, saying, this is what God has done to me. There's no light in ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. We need Christ. I want us to look at one other section of Scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, no, go back one. Did I get the uh, before the moon? Because I, I hope I put this up there. Oh, now we're dead. Okay, turn it off. Switch it over to the other one because it's going to take too long to get it going. All right, listen to this, okay? I want you to pay attention to me. Don't worry about it up here because it's very important. 2 Corinthians 4.10, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. That sounds kind of gross. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So Christ died for our sins. We, we, we were dead. We were like the moon. We had no way of... of of, 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 of living a life of light. And Christ died for us, and all of a sudden, the light went on. And it says that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. That means what was hidden is now exposed. Christ is exposed in us. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. Isn't that amazing? His life being revealed in our mortal body. Uh, By yourself, uh, myself included, I make a terrible Jesus. (laughs) I just don't do a very good job of it. But with Christ, I can be a great Jesus. 
Because he doesn't worry about all the imperfections. He says, just let your light shine before man. I want to end with this. Yeah, check this out. We're going to go over a section of verses that we've all heard before. So what do we do? How do we get out of the darkness? Well, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus begins to talk about his kingdom. And he says this. It's very simple. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now that word repent, we always hear, you know, we see the crazy preachers on the, on the corner. And may, maybe you're called to that. I always have to say that, just in case somebody really is called to that. But, but that word repent to us seems so old-fashioned and so like, oh, he's just thumping his, he's just thumping on the pew there, pulpit, right? But that's the message of the kingdom. Turn around from where you are. You have darkness in your life? Re- tell him. Expose it. Bring it to him. God, I have blown it. John 3.16, the most noted verse in the Bible, says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Remember, he's the king of light. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Now listen to verse 19. It's pivotal. This is the verdict. Okay? You know, when you have a, if you watch on court TV, everything's going on and all of a sudden they come out with the verdict. Here's the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Remember the moon? It's very, very clear that the moon didn't light itself up. It's very clear that what happened, the moon didn't have any choice in the matter. What happened was the moon got out of the way of the earth. Again, this is not astrologically correct. And was having the sun shine on it. And let me tell you, church, this is whether you have never known Christ before or you know him and you're just in a dark time, it's the same thing. We are in it's Jesus. We are in all.